Mindfulness Mode 388. It's like eating chocolate. You can explain the flavors and whatnot, but you need to try it and to know that this, it just works. You're listening to Mindfulness Mode. I'm Bruce Langford, your host and Mindfulness Life Coach. So great to have you with us here today and Happy New Year. Hundreds of guests have recommended books on the Mindfulness Mode podcast, and I've pulled together the 12 most recommended books into a short 14-page ebook that's free for you. It's called 12 Must-Read Mindfulness Books. Any one of these books can definitely change your life, just like they have for my featured guests. Download this great free resource at mindfulnessmode.com slash top 12 books. For New Year's, I wanted to celebrate with this wonderful episode, this great interview about yoga. And if you're a beginner and you've never done yoga before, well, we talk about that. We talk about if you're more experienced, we talk about deliberate yoga. She's from the Netherlands. She's a wonderful expert on yoga. Sit back, relax, and enjoy today's episode on yoga. Mindful Tribe, I have a wonderful guest today here. She's she's talking to me directly from the Netherlands. I have Kremena here today. Kremena, are you in mindfulness mode today? Today, pretty much so, yes. <laughs> That's great. Kremena, I want to share with our listeners a little bit about you. Kremena is a yoga teacher and self-taught entrepreneur. She's founder and owner of YourYoga.eu. That's Y-O-R-Y-O-G-A. She has found a way to combine her passion for yoga with a corporate career, which is fantastic. She teaches others how to achieve balance and self-awareness in incorporating yoga practice in their lives. Her flair for teaching and organizing weekly yoga practices, special workshops, and events was what motivated her to contact more yoga professionals to join her mission of sharing yoga with working people. Her realistic, straight-up, and modern attitude has made her a favorite teacher in both Amsterdam and The Hague. So let's talk about all of this. You incorporate mindfulness into your yoga practice. And what does mindfulness mean to you? To me, mindfulness is a big part of yoga and it's actually the best part of it. I keep saying that it's paying attention in a particular way, like you're there, you're present. You do everything like you mean it, every posture, every breath. And um, it took me quite some time to figure out that basically the yoga postures are just there to prepare to prepare us to this moment to pay attention to what happens after and meditate and all those beautiful things that happen after the postures and all those beautiful things that happen in between the postures is what makes us being really in the present moment so to answer your question is just really paying attention in a very very specific way and be present i always say to my students do it like you mean it like you're really here so yeah and I've seen uh, some work that you've done on YouTube, and it really definitely looks like you're doing it like you mean it. You know, Thank there's you. no fooling around about this. You are deliberate. You are very on purpose. I just love what I saw. But tell us, when did you first become interested in yoga? When I was little, I was never thinking, oh, my God, I'll become this yoga uh, person. I actually even... 
um, skip a couple of yoga um, gym classes. I wouldn't be considered as very sporty or very into the sports. Um, It just happened that I moved to the Netherlands and I felt super detached from everything. I lost my friends. I kind of didn't connect to the um, environment here. It was cold. It was very much not what I um, signed for. And yoga came to my life in that difficult moment where nothing else was seemed to be working. And I went to one yoga class and fell in love with it. I know it seems super trivial, but that's what happened to me. And um, I still remember my first class. I still remember the things that we did. I still remember the way I felt about it. And I thought, wow, this this is powerful without even understanding the, co- the whole complexity of it. And um, I just realized this will be something that I'll continue doing. Maybe not professionally, maybe not immediately thinking of becoming a yoga teacher. It came much later, but definitely felt different. Definitely, diff- um, It felt like I belonged and that was my tribe. So only when I moved to the Netherlands in way back 12 years ago, yeah. Why did you move there? I, I always say that the people who... <laughs> people either end up in the Netherlands for love or there is no other reason because the weather is so bad. But uh, yeah, for me it was love. Um, I followed my boyfriend at the time to the Netherlands and um, I found a bigger love even with yoga. So yeah, things happened the way they should. Um, It was not intentional that I would be um, looking for jobs in the Netherlands because uh, in my own country things are not that great. Um, It just happened that I had to be in this country for more reasons than just following a partner at the time. So what kind of work did you do before you became self-employed? Um, so right now, right now I'm, I'm still keeping my full-time job and I'm uh, doing this, I call the yoga is a side hustle and it's my passion and it's really what I do uh, for fun uh, and um, building um, like-minded people around me to support the idea of yoga is for everyone and you can do it even if you have a busy job. Um, but at the time I was working on a cruise ship. So okay. we were um, doing uh, most of the Mediterranean um, cruises. So you would imagine uh, sun and fun, and then you end up in the Netherlands in January. I think it was 2006, very cold, very rigid place for me to kind of thrive and to be who I am. And um, that's where yoga kind of showed for me on the mat, outside of the mat. All the best friends I have now are somehow related to yoga. So it's amazing that I came here for one thing and I actually ended up finding out more. That's very cool. Do you teach a lot of men as well as women? One of my missions is really to mention that yoga is really for everyone. So um, the idea of um, trying to reach out as many people as possible from different backgrounds, of different genders, from really yoga is for everyone. And it's something that is, yes, it's an ancient uh, technique, and it is available for everyone. So I'm trying and I'm begging all my colleagues, male colleagues from work to join me. And we even, <laughs> I need to mention that Michael James Wong, who is the founder of Boys of Yoga, I invited him once in my office saying, well, if you show up, maybe most of my colleagues will show up too. And if they don't do it, then I really don't know who to bring because I would like to have more male presence on the mat. And um, it was a really nice experience to have them too. It's definitely a mission of mine to bring more male guys and just anyone that feels comfortable in their own selves to do some more yoga. 
So Michael did come to your class, yeah, is that right? Yeah, he did come to my class. He, we did a gig together and he was hosting one of the events. So the way we do it is that I reach out to people that I admire what they do in the yoga field and um, ask them to really share the knowledge, not just within the organization in Adidas and Reebok, but everywhere I teach. And it's a it's a platform that it gives me opportunity to showcase really what yoga means to me and how I experience it. Because there are many styles, there are many ways to come to the conclusion that yoga is for everyone. But I tend to just reach out to people that relate to what I like in yoga and what I stand for behind it. And um, yeah, we just do uh, very nice collaborations together. Right, that sounds exciting. So Mm -hmm. how do you help people who have never done yoga before? I really, I really, for me, this is like, I feel like it's my mission in life to really attract the people that possibly never even thought about yoga because there's so many good teachers out there. And if you're a practitioner that already has a great deal of experience, maybe I'm not the teacher for you. It could be that you always learn from some new teachers. But what I really like is to um, speak to people that never even thought about it. They maybe don't even know what yoga is about. And break those stereotypes, exactly what you mentioned, yoga is only for girls or yoga is only for guys or none of that is you come and the approach that I take is that you need to feel comfortable and you need to feel at ease with your own self and with your own body. And my mission and my goal in class is only to make you feel like you're welcome. If you want you to do the posture, if you don't, the posture is not something that is the main goal. So if the people are comfortable in the surroundings, which I provide, they're tending to do much more than what they thought they would be able to do. So um, first timers that they come to yoga class, it's important to just really make the eye contact, ask them, is it your first class with me? Is it your first class ever? And really start that conversation and make them feel at ease. Um, I often say in my classes, for the first few years, I didn't even understand the last posture, which is the best posture of all Shavasana. In yoga field, we speak about it so much. But if you're for the first time, you don't understand it. So I make jokes such as, it's a nap time, or you guys will figure it out with the meditation part, and that's where mindfulness kick in. But as a beginner, you need to speak to people in the language they understand. For instance, I rarely say Sanskrit words in my classes. I deliberately don't pretend I know all the postures in Sanskrit and I just try to convey the message in a way, more straightforward way. Um, Humor is something I use often and it's not everyone's cup of tea. I I totally get it. But I notice that if you have a good time and if you crack a joke or two, you're much more relaxed in that environment and the chances that you go into a posture are way, way higher than just being stressed about the posture or competing with your neighbor or it's just a friendly environment we are trying to create and it always helps. I even ask my students to make eye contact before they start practicing together because it's right. it's hard to not like someone when you do this eye contact and then it's hard to not have a good time if you know the people around you. So those are small things we do in the beginning of the practice and people really feel at ease and people really feel like we're doing this together. It's not just I go there and I teach the class and you follow. It's we even call ourselves guides. We don't speak about teachers and not teachers, and we all we are all students here. So, it's really a very friendly environment for the beginners, as well as intermediate people. 
Right, Kermana, I know that yoga has many benefits and I think it's widely known, but let's talk about the specific benefits. What are the actual benefits of doing yoga? For me, for me at least, and the way I've experienced it is I get so much more focused after yoga practice. Um, the level of um, um, just being really in one place at the same time and focusing on your breath and yoga gives me that opportunity to tap into the mindfulness without calling it anything so different or so complicated or mystic. It's connecting to your true self. Um, maybe there is the lack of spirituality that we are experiencing lately, but many more people are joining yoga classes because it works. It does give you the benefit of being in the present moment. Even every um, yoga book you open, it starts with now and then it continues with all the other aspects. Um, postures are a small, small part of it and we continue moving our bodies so that we can become more flexible, but it cannot not change just your body. It changes the way you see things. It changes the way you interact with people. It changes the way you create space for thoughts to really come and go instead of getting caught up into it. And there are many ways to achieve it. Some people prefer to go for a long run and that's fine. For me, I just noticed that Yoga is the full package, so to say. It's really the mind, body, and soul. But I also add the aspect of community feeling. Um, the way I felt here when I arrived in the Netherlands, lonely and out of touch, is something that I always like to remind people. Regardless what your reason is here to be on the mat today, just set your intention and miracle happens. Like consistently for the past 12 years, I'm setting similar intentions is to really, really reconnect with truly who I am and with others. And it shows um, that the benefits of yoga after, after all are individual, but um, there are so many books written about it and so many ways to describe how much better your life becomes with yoga. And um, it's like eating chocolate. You can explain the flavors and whatnot, but you need to try it and to know that this it just works. <laughs> well, that makes sense, Kamana. You talked about more focus, more more connection with mindfulness, posture improvements, and interaction with people. You mentioned connecting into your true self. What does that really mean? Well, to me, is um, really being not so judgmental about everything that the society or even a bad day can put on the top of yourself when you're with your breath, when you're on your mat, or when you're doing really, truly what your purpose in life is. And I know many people say, it's easy to speak about purpose in life when you found it. That is only one part of it. You need to pursue it each and every day. You need to do small changes in your life to continue knowing who you really are. And those things change every day. Uh, values get questioned, uh, labels fall off. Maybe you lose a relative or a job or some dramatic things happen in your life and then it makes you question who you really are. And those situations are where even more practicing yoga or any mindfulness um, exercises will help you to know that we are here with so many talents. And if one goes away, we're still here and not judging ourselves for being less or more. So it's a beautiful place to be, but it's, it's hard to always think that it's easy. Um, doing it is easy, but consistency is where the magic happens. Right. And so how consistent do you need to be? How often should you do yoga if you're just getting started? 
I really like to say to people, it, it depends on not, not judging yourself or if you, if you skip a yoga class. And I, if, if a student of mine doesn't come to my classes for a month or two months and when they come back and they're like, oh, I'm so sorry. And I'm like, the, the, the apologizing has no place here because I do understand that people have lives. And if yeah. something happens in your life and you would like to take a break from yoga, that's okay. But twice a week is normally what I would say. Um, good good enough start every day is also something that we normally say at least a salutation in the morning and track it and make sure that you really do it like you mean it we spoke about it earlier and it's it's not how often you do it it's how you do it it's i see sometimes people are coming to yoga classes and they're completely checked out um that's also not what you want to be doing in a sense of there are days that you're really really there and you get into it and there are days that you can see you're an autopilot you're just physically there but you're not quite there so how long does a typical yoga uh, lesson last like a typical class a typical class should be around one hour and a half um, most of the times here with this busy environment uh, classes are within an, an hour which i find it's a little bit shorter but nevertheless, it's already giving you an introduction of, okay, you can ground yourself in the beginning, move a little bit with your body and um, reach a peak pose, which is most most often the more difficult posture of the practice. And then slowly but surely um, lay down and experience the mindfulness, which we spoke about. It's preparing for meditation. And it's just, I usually say to students, you tired the body so you can relax the mind so that you can actually comprehend why we are doing this. The postures, uh, some of them quite difficult to comprehend in the beginning. If you've done them twice already, the third time it looks like why I was so scared of the posture. And it's like in situations in life. If you've done it three or four or five times on the seventh time, you already know what you're doing. So it's practice makes perfect. Right, right. So do you have your own yoga studio or do you rent space out of someone else's studio? How do you do that? So I collaborate with uh, the best studio in town. Uh, a friend of mine, Natasha, owns Studio 191 in Amsterdam and I teach in both of her locations. She's opening a third one. Short, um, I think it's in February. It's coming quite soon. And what we do is I normally teach in the office as well where I still keep my full-time job. And um, we do retreats which are the main bulk of the more substantial work we can do with people. It's when we bring them outside of the normal life settings that they have. Uh, so they can really experience what you can do for them. Um, we do a lot of mindfulness walks and um, give them tips and tricks to really tap into their true self. So we host five times a year uh, retreats and I um, cooperate with many, many really good teachers around the globe to we just connect and we say, oh, where would you be, let's say, next February or next June? And it's amazing supportive um, system of having friends as a yoga teacher is because we learn from each other. We share this love of commitment to the practice and commitment to helping people. And it's just beautiful what we can do by simply loving the same things. So are your retreats always in the Netherlands or are they all over the world? Where are your retreats? So most most often we keep it local. When we say local, we stay in Europe. But um, for next year, we have one in Bali, which is amazing uh, location. It's going to be in Changu in February and um, in Sicily in June. Um, the plans for the second uh, 
half of the year are not there yet. So we are quite flexible as yoga teachers, so we don't like to plan way too in advance, but definitely more locations will come. Um, we would like to go more into different continents just to experience the differences between how people experience yoga in the States is very different from how people experience it in back in Bulgaria. And um, I had the chance to also um, teach in Africa and um, a few other continents I haven't been is going to be the South America is something that we're really keen on doing. But um, right now we are only manifesting that we haven't. How planned. do we learn about these retreats? Where do we find out more information? I I usually post everything on my website, youryoga.au. Oh, dot e u for Europe. So it's how you hear it. It's y o r and then yoga and dot um, eu. I'll provide all links and uh, necessary information. And we tend to just see who is available within those um, timeframes, and sure. we put the, the team together. I usually co-host with uh, Laura, Irina, and a few other really, really amazing teachers. And depending on who is available and who wants to travel on specific time frames, um, we put the team together. Oh, it sounds pretty exciting. Mm-hmm. So your yoga, that's Y-O-R-Y-O-G-A dot E-U for Europe. Yes, that's great. So yeah, yeah. Check that out, Mindful Tribe, because can you think of anything better than going on a retreat and just immersing yourself into this practice of yoga? And meditation is a big part of it. Tell us about the meditation do you do. Is it always guided? Is it sometimes completely silent? What are your theories on meditation? Yeah, it's a great question. So sometimes I really like only listening to mantras and that works to me. Uh, It's the most effective way for me because um, I'm more into sounds and uh, it just really links faster. Um, But on our retreats, we really check on what the audience is and how we can conduct a, a retreat. Often we do walking meditations in nature because we have this feeling that you cannot not link to yourself or connect to yourself when you're in nature. It's such a good way to do it that uh, silent meditations well, by walking are very effective way. And we conduct those maybe twice in a, in a week uh, retreat and maybe only once in a weekend retreat, which we do often as well. Um, the other ways we do meditation is also with just focusing on one thing. It could be um, sometimes we use candles, sometimes we use sound, sometimes we use um, chanting as a very great way to really stop the thoughts rushing and be there. Um, there are many other ways that we also experience um, meditation, but it really depends on who shows up for the retreats and uh, which of the teachers are available to guide the meditation. We always give a chance to people to we don't lock the shala. So if you want to wake up earlier than anyone else and you can meditate for the duration before the sun salutation, you can totally do that. So we never will say to people, wait for us, we'll meditate together. If you want to do it on your own without any guidance, you are totally allowed to. And everything in our retreats is done like it's not obligatory. So I noticed that when people feel like they should just stick oh, I've done meditation three times today, or it's not as effective as it's an optional. Just like everything in life, it's optional. You can choose how you want to conduct your life and you can choose if you want to do three meditations for 15 minutes or one of one hour. And we, we create space where it's safe for you to notice what works best. 
Um, of course, there is a program and we follow it, but it's not packed. Um, in the beginning, we wanted to do so much. And to your point, we had 20 different styles of meditation and three different ways to, <laughs> three different paths to go to the sea. And it's, it's just too much. People right. feel like, oh, I have to do it all. And it's, no, it's optional. Everything is totally right. optional. Carmena, do you think you'll ever work in yoga full time? For me, I, I get that question a lot and I never feel like this is work. It always feels like it's one of the things, it's my passion. So I never feel like I'm working when we are creating retreats or when we're doing new programs for the office or when we are even putting together a workshop. Um, it always feels like I'm doing a bigger purpose and sometimes I question it obviously. Would it, would it work if I just quit my job and the security of a paycheck? And I honestly think that combining the two for now works super well for me. In a sense, I can relate to people that never done yoga because I am experiencing day-to-day, -day, you know, stress at work and making sure that the emails are answered. And to your point, noticing that you're holding your breath and you're not quite there because you're thinking of, I haven't responded to 20 emails yet. Um, right. I can relate to my students with that that way. I don't think I'll be a good teacher or guide if I don't have the ability to resonate with what's happening in their life. Sometimes it takes more than five minutes to reconnect and that's okay. But if you're constantly living in a, if I would have 24 seven just to do yoga, I might lose the ability to connect to people that actually don't have that luxurious um, means of living. So to me, it's important to know that I can keep a job that allows me to sustain my lifestyle and also relate to people that still need to be contributing. And you can do both. Right. Kermana, I ask this question of everybody. Mm -hmm. Were you ever bullied? Do you have a story about bullying where mindfulness would have made a difference? Yeah, so actually I mentioned earlier to you that um, when I was growing up in Siberia and till recently I didn't even think of it being as um, episodes of bullying and anything like that, but it actually, I had difficult time um, speaking to kids in school and I would be mocked and maybe a few accidents where it was proper bullying now that you know it. And um, the way I handled it is maybe not the best way I would have, but kids are mean. And then you become and you start thinking, oh, I should be having a thicker skin and um, just become tougher and uh, don't cry and don't show weaknesses. And there was a moment where you really have to put the shield and to make sure that no one can come close to you. And it manifested in many ways. It's not only the way you do one thing, it's the way you do everything. So it only recently I started realizing, oh, actually there are some childhood traumas there that I need to be dealing with. And um, mindfulness helped me to just be present with the uncomfortable feelings. Um, yes, that's like things from more than 30 years ago. Uh, in yoga, we speak about letting go a lot, but it's actually a very difficult act and it does require awareness and you can cultivate that awareness by simply meditating or being mindful about it. And um, as a child, I don't think I would have had those capacities, but as a grown up, I can heal and I can understand and I can um, do the work of healing right now. Right. 
Right. Well, as we move forward in the interview, Carmen, I want to ask you five quick answer questions. And the first one is this. Who is one person who has influenced mindfulness in your life? Oh, my God. I really would like to say that it's my mom and I never knew that. And it's so... She, she wouldn't speak about being mindful or she wouldn't code the things that I know now that way, but she'll be the first person that teaches you be there when you're there or if you do something, do it right or really give it all. And um, small examples she will give me are, yeah, she would be the first person that really taught me to be uh, properly there when I have to be there. And um, it's something that uh, it sticks. it sticks to you. That's awesome. That's wonderful. How has mindfulness uh, affected your emotions, Carmena? Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Yeah. Many people say I'm, I'm super emotional. And I even say to my students, sometimes I even cry in classes and some students get disappointed if it didn't happen that specific class. And I'm like, guys, come on. It's not a competition that who makes me cry. It's just emotions are something that moves through your body and it's better to let them manifest and go and be there and be present with all those things that happen, the good, the bad, the ugly, everything that happens is there and cultivating that awareness and sitting with yourself sometimes is a very, very good experience and sometimes it's not. And being aware of your emotions is a big deal of practicing mindfulness because sometimes those uncomfortable moments where you are realizing you're still dealing with some stuff are where you get the most aha moments where things just really come to you and you're aware that you still have to deal with this unsorted business, so to say. But emotions are really, with mindfulness, you can name them, you can make sure that you know they're present and you can still choose what you want to do with those emotions. Tell us how breathing is part of your mindfulness practice, Kermena. It's super essential. I, I always say it, even in the yoga classes, the first five minutes is... You can call it whatever you want, but connecting to that inhale and exhale, there is no better way to really be in the present moment. And it's just as simple as that. It's deeper inhales, longer exhales, and everything comes into place. And all the thoughts before that needs to happen to this breath really don't have any importance. And anything that will have to happen after is not there yet. So that one breath that you have each and every time is the only thing we have. But it does take time to notice that it's really true. It's one thing to know it on a deeper level and it's another to experience it and to know these these inhales and exhales are there for a reason and resets you each and every time. Right. If you could recommend a book related to mindfulness, what would that be? The Power of Now. I know you can't not mention that book because it's explained so well. I use it often in my yoga classes because it's just, it's simply explained and it's very logical the way the way things are brought into that book so i i often take take some um phrases and just will incorporate them in my yoga classes and uh people resonate with it and people really i i recommend that book to everyone and uh yeah it's one of my favorite books actually yeah the power of now is a terrific book by Eckhart Tolle. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, can you share an app which helps with mindfulness for you? The, the only app actually I have because uh, I'm trying to stay away from phones, which is very difficult thing to do in the modern society, mm-hmm. is uh, the breathing app. 
Um, I believe last year uh, there was the peace conference here in Amsterdam and it was the launch of the app and that was the only app I actually downloaded and I'm still using. It's basically working on the um, resonating so you can set up your own um, tempo of breathing and it's a um, very good way for me to notice how I'm breathing and then really adjust it, make it slower or faster. And I notice always we start with faster and then we can go into the normal deeper breathing but it's a great way because it's not um it's not made to make you feel like you're in a competition it's just a tool that you can use to sink in with your breath and is it just called the breathing app yes and it's um um i believe the the um, creator of that app is actually um guy from Brook, uh, brooklyn i think edwin Stern, he's a yoga teacher as well, and he was here on a couple of occasions already. And that app is the only app I have because it was literally the release of the app back then. And I was like, well, let me try it out. And I still have it. So it, it does work. It, it's a great way to connect to your breath without making it sound so um, too much or too much of an effort. Well, thanks for suggesting that. Mm -hmm. That sounds like a great app and I've not used it. Youryoga.eu. Mindful Tribe, check out the website Y-O-R-Y-O-G-A.eu. That's Kermina's website. And Kermina, it's been fantastic talking with you today and learning more about what yoga means to you in your life and how passionate you are about that. Is there any other place we can connect with you? Are you on social media? Um, most times I'm in, on um, Instagram and Facebook. It's the same name, Your Yoga, and uh, it's spelled like you already explained. I'm trying to stay away from social media but not very successfully. <laughs> so right. if you guys want to drop me a message or anything like that, chances of reply within three days are quite big. Sure. Oh, of course. It's the maximum well, I can stay away from it. <laughs> it's been a real pleasure to have you on the show. I really appreciate it. Thanks so much. Thank you so much, Bruce. Have a nice okay. uh, day. Bye. I will. I will. Bye now. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for joining us today on Mindfulness Mode. For show notes for every episode, check out mindfulnessmode.com and type the guest name or the episode number into the search bar. You can also go mindfulnessmode.com slash whatever episode number you like. If you've enjoyed this podcast, you could help us out by subscribing to Mindfulness Mode wherever you listen, whether it's on iTunes or Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, so many places you can hear Mindfulness Mode. So hit subscribe and share because that truly helps our show. And remember what I mentioned at the top of the show about the 12 must-read mindfulness books. Any one of these books can definitely change your life just like they have for the featured guests I've had on my show. All of these books have been recommended. They're the 12 most recommended books on Mindfulness Mode. Download this free gift at mindfulnessmode.com slash top 12 books. So remember, subscribing and sharing helps keep mindfulness mode on the air. Till next time, Mindful Tribe, use what we've learned today to reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness. Stay in the mode.